Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to Jocelyn LaRock of San Anne, Manitoba, longtime member of Canada's women's hockey team, the second overall pick of the recent PWHL draft by the Toronto team. She joins us to talk about her journey to get to this point in women's hockey history. And then Mitchell Clinton, the new Jets radio analyst, will join me to talk about his new job and training camp all on the podcast. It has been a busy time to be a pro women's hockey player. This past weekend, the PWHL had its initial draft to stock the cupboards of its six inaugural franchises. And with the second overall pick, the as-yet-unnamed Toronto franchise chose St. Anne's Jocelyn LaRock, the 35-year-old veteran blue liner, has been a mainstay on Team Canada's blue line for years and brings that savvy to Toronto when the first-ever season begins in a few months in January. I had the chance this afternoon to chat with the two-time Olympic gold medalist, and we started off by, well, her explaining to me why she's in Brantford, Ontario. Yeah, um, I guess right now my situation doesn't change. Uh, So I've been in Brantford training um, for the last while. So uh, that's where I live right now, and I train there as well. Okay, so take us back to the draft this past weekend. Did you know that Toronto was interested in taking you second overall? Um, I I did know they were interested, but I mean, like any draft, I mean, anything can happen. Um, really, I guess Minnesota could have taken me first, right? So you just, you never really know. So it, it was nice when it was official because I was hoping to be selected by Toronto because that's very close to where you live right now, right? Exactly. And, um, you know, that initially that was my my first reason, but also just having Gina Kingsbury be the GM of Toronto. She's been the GM for um, Team Canada now for a number of years. And Troy Ryan, who's been the head coach for Team Canada for the last couple or many years, him being the head coach for Toronto, it just seemed like a great fit. Very Canadian-heavy team, uh, just two Americans yeah. on this squad. How does it feel to be surrounded by so many familiar faces going into this first-ever season? Yeah, I mean, that is that is nice. Um, you know, there's um, relationships. Like, I I know pretty much ever, or I I for sure know, have, like, know of most or all of the players, and I have personal relationships with, I'd say, for sure over half. Um, so that's, that's really nice. Um, yeah, just, you know, makes things a little bit easier, but, um, yeah, so it's nice. And you got a fellow Manitoban on the roster too, and Kristen Campbell. Yes, I was, uh, I was actually behind or, um, I, after you get drafted, you kind of go through like a little bit of a media scrum and then you can kind of go back and attend the draft. But I was still in my, my uh, media scrum, but I had heard it. Um, just kind of through the rumbles, and I was like, "Oh, where did Kristen get uh, drafted to?" And somebody, I, I can't remember who told me, but they're like, "Oh, Toronto!" And I was like, "Yes!" So I was really excited. Um, yeah, I mean, I I've been her teammate now on Team Canada for a few years, and she's just a great teammate, a great person, obviously a great goalie. So um, I was very excited to see that she was uh, Toronto drafted her. What was it like to take part in something that? that at least for me from back home looked very professional, big league, like a real draft like that. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, I had high expectations, but it, uh, it surpassed even the expectations that I had. It was run so well. Um, at the moment you got there, it was like, okay, this is, this is a big deal. Um, so 
it was it was fun to be a part of and i um yeah it'll it'll be an event that i'll never forget for a number of reasons but yeah one of them definitely being with how they ran it as someone who's been involved in hockey for so long one of the the veterans of this league that going in how does it feel to see this all coming together finally oh, i mean it's it's honestly it's hard to put into words and you know the the canadian women's hockey league that i that you know a lot of us played in prior you know it had it had the players like the skill of the, of the league was phenomenal every team had a number of national team players on it but it was missing that infrastructure and you know the people backing it and um you know those the marketing the advertising things like that and and now to see you know the proper infrastructure put in place along with amazing athletes i mean i feel very fortunate that um i'm able to play in the league because you know it was getting to a point you know during covid i remember thinking like you know i i may be a fan once this professional league gets going like i was getting a little bit worried like you know is this going to happen in my career and um as as long as it would happen that's all that's important but i feel very uh, grateful that i'm able to be a player because for those who don't know, in the CWHL, there was no salaries, right? No, no. And, um, you know, it, uh, there, there was, but I mean, not, not enough to call it professional. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, it, it was missing a lot of things that, you know, obviously this league hasn't started yet, but um, we know that are in place, that will be in place. Um, even just things like the training facility and the fact that we'll be with, you know, our team's training every day. Um, yeah, so it's just, you know, uh, of course salaries are, are important and, and, and we want people to be able to train and play professionally, but also just what a professional league requires and, and the proper training facilities, the proper support staff and, and, and all of that comes with it. So it's exciting to, to see, like, we we haven't heard officially, but we have, like, a strength coach, uh you know, physio and all, and all those things that, you know, professional league should have. You don't have to tell me, and you probably aren't allowed to tell me, but do you know the name, the nickname of your team at this point? You know, I, I uh, even, uh, no, that's, uh, yeah, we actually have no idea. The only thing that I had heard is, and I mean, I'm not that big into social media, but I know that all the PWHL teams now have like a color with their Instagram. So a lot of people are assuming that that's what the the six colors are going to be. I have no idea, but honestly, no, we haven't heard anything um, about the names of the team. So does that mean you don't have any merch yet? No, no merch. <laughs> okay. Once you do, though, you'll have to flaunt it around the GTA so people know. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. There's been a lot of buzz. I know here and, um, I mean, honestly, all across the country, there's been a lot of buzz. Uh, but especially in the six markets, there's, there's been a lot of buzz, which is great. So what's next for your group? The team is now set training camp still in is November. So you got some time before then. So is it just training as you were? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I know in the next few weeks we'll, we'll, we'll hear about camp. Every team has 18 players right now, um, from the draft. So they're still, some open spots. So the the players that didn't get drafted, um, they become free agents and they're they can talk to 
you know, the 16s and get a tryout. Um, so in November, it's, it's essentially a training camp, but it's also a tryout camp. Um, I believe each team can bring 30 players and then the rosters go down to 23. Um, and then the league starts in January. And how excited are you to, to play that first game? Or have you not let yourself think about that yet? Man, I mean, I know, I know it's cut, like, there's still like a few months, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that'll be definitely an exciting day and a day where, you know, I think about when I was a kid and my dream was to play in the NHL. And I mean, that's, you know, every kid that played hockey had that same dream. And it's really nice now that, you know, young girls, and I remember getting teased and I mean, all, all my teammates were, were boys and even, even if they weren't trying to be mean, they were just like, well, no, that you can't have that dream right? Like you're, you're a girl. So it's like, it's, it's just, it gives me chills to think now a little girl can think and dream to play professional hockey and they're not going to get, you know, questioned that, Oh, you can't have that dream. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it feels just like, right. Like any, I mean, any kid should have, should, should be able to dream anything they want, no matter, you know, race, gender, anything like that. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's very exciting. And when you look back at even since you first joined Canada's national team 15 years ago, how far women's hockey has gone with oh Finland making the final a few years ago. Now the World Championship oh. isn't every couple of years; it's every year now. Uh, it's it's really and now the PWHL. It feels like just every year steps are coming and coming and coming and culminating with this league. It feels like a, a great time to be a a women's hockey player. Totally. And I mean, I, I even think of myself as a kid, I, I was the only, like, I, I grew up in St. Anne and I was the only girl my age I played. And now in St. Anne, there's girls teams right from like you, I believe it's like, like really young and, and full teams. And it's not like this, the town has grown. So it's just the, the sport has grown so much on the women's side and the girls side. So it's, it's exciting. And definitely on an international stage it's grown i mean even last year at worlds we were we were in overtime in the quarterfinals against sweden and um they obviously gave us a run for our money so anything can can happen and so that just shows the growth you know internationally and i believe this league just like it did for the nhl it's going to help the international level grow even more because those top players are going to come over and play um, and yeah, so it's just going to bring up the level even more and even just the level of play in Canada and the U S right. Cause there's so many women that would retire after college at 21, 22, which is cr- like crazy, but you know, it's, you know, a lot of them chose their careers and, and, and you don't blame them for that. But now at least there's opportunities, more opportunities. And there's still players now that are, moms that are going to be playing like your teammate Natalie Spooner yeah yeah and I mean it's uh talk about a work-life balance right (laughs) um and I mean it's going to be challenging and I mean Brianne Jenner like her her partner is pregnant with twins right now so like she's going to be busy She, she already has a young one too so there's there's a lot of um players in the league that do have kids and it's it's definitely going to be challenging but um you know uh they have the support to, to help and obviously the love of the game. So um, they'll make it work and uh, time management will, will be important for those players. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, have you thought of 
how much longer you want to keep playing? Um, not like like uh, it. Nothing like firm or set in stone. I I have my sights on um, the twenty twenty six Olympics. Um, obviously, there's no guarantees, but I'm I'm training hard to hopefully, um, you know, help Canada win gold there. Um, so that would be probably the longest I've I've looked. But you know, when when you when there's an option to play pro- professionally, I can't see how that wouldn't prolong people's um, myself included people playing because if you can, you know, have a career and you know. Um, and and make some money. I, I I can't see why it wouldn't prolong a lot of hockey players' um, careers. Because in the past, if you you know you you get aged out of the national team, or younger players come up and are better than you, that oh. was it, right? And now well, you have well, this. Of course, and 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 what was really hard with with women's hockey is if you played on the national team, which you think about that, that's twenty three players out of all of Canada. You know, we were we've been taken care of pretty good, and same with the Americans. But that's twenty three players there, so that's forty six in all of North America that were you know taken care of financially. But if you're just outside of that, it was basically nothing. So now it's like you don't need to be the top twenty three in Canada. Like, I mean, these teams are still going to be hard hard teams to make. Don't get me wrong, but at least it's six teams, not. Two, two teams. So it's it just gives more people opportunities, and I can't imagine the league not expanding. Who knows, maybe to Winnipeg, you know, other big hockey hockey cities in the next upcoming year. So, you know, just more opportunities for women to, to play and to play professionally. Well, here's hoping that uh, maybe we do see a, a pro team here in Winnipeg at some yeah. point down the line, because that means yeah. the league is working and people are watching yes. and people yeah. are caring. So, Jocelyn, appreciate your time yeah. today. Thanks for this, and best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Jocelyn LaRock, women's hockey player, longtime member of Team Canada from St. Anne, Manitoba, and she is a member of the Toronto PWHL team. Let's get back to Jets training camp as we're joined by Mitchell Clinton, now the radio analyst for Winnipeg Jets hockey. How does that sound, Mitch? Pretty cool. To be honest, still getting used to it a little bit. <laughs> like, I mean, I did the, uh, even the, the bio change on, I guess, what was Twitter now X. I still, I call it Twitter. Trouble. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. But uh, anyways, yeah, it's even changing it. There was, was really weird, but uh, honestly, just, the messages that I've gotten from people today, um, just with the announcement this morning, it's been, uh, it's made a special day even better. So it's, uh, I'll, it'll take me a little bit to get used to the, to the new title, but uh, I'm all for it. So how much experience have you doing radio broadcasting for hockey before? I know you've done some with us here. Uh, mm-hmm. I know when uh, there were some COVID issues that one season, you did some play by play, but uh, yeah. what have you, what have you done? What's your resume? Let's hear it. Yeah, it's uh, it goes all the way back to uh, I guess my my college days uh, when I was at Red River College. Um, I, I had just kind of come out of a, a summer working at uh, at CKDM and Dauphin. That was like my first real uh, radio experience. Uh, but even then, I was just kind of doing live on locations and, and newscast readings and all that kind of stuff. Just because I hadn't even taken like a college course in radio yet, they just kind of hey, he's a local kid, we'll give him a go and. 
I'm eternally grateful to to the CKDM management, all the people that I worked with there um, for giving me that opportunity. And then I got pretty close and remain close friends with uh, Kevin Jeffrey, the sports director there at the time. And he kind of said, Hey, like, you know, whenever we're, whenever the Dauphin Kings are on Winnipeg, would you be interested in doing color? So obviously I was, I jumped right into that and, um, you know, did a bunch of games with that. So it was part of the uh, 2010 Royal Bank Cup uh, broadcast that the CKDM put on as well. And then, you know, it, my my job kind of took me obviously to to Shaw TV. After that, I did some a little bit of color there, but more just kind of sideline hosting. Um, and then I got into um, with the Winnipeg Jets in 2013. Career kind of took me a little bit of a different direction, but kind of always uh, really enjoyed the the broadcasting side of it. And then I have to be thankful for Daniel Fink last year gave me an opportunity. Uh, when the team, when the Jets were on the road and I wasn't traveling uh, with them, he just kind of said, "Hey, if you want to do some more hockey and, and the Jets aren't playing that night, you're not covering a game, you know, come on down to the rink and and uh, we can talk some hockey and, and talk some moose." And so I did a, a bunch of games last year with, with Daniel, who's obviously a, a true pro as well. Uh, those moose games, obviously on CJOB at times and also on on uh, online as well, and that really kind of gave me the opportunity to do pro hockey a little bit more regularly uh, as much as the schedule would allow. And then uh, to have this opportunity to, uh, to work at the national hockey league level with someone like Paul Edmonds and, you know, and of course I'm going to have numerous questions for Jamie Thomas uh, who did the job so well the last number of years. Um, So that's kind of what, what uh, brought me to this point. So you got the first preseason game on Sunday and then the the home game back here on Monday. You've been at training camp. How much do we know yet about who's going to play Sunday or do we know anything at all? I don't know if we know anything at all, but experience would, would kind of tell you that obviously you go on the road, it's a little bit less of a veteran lineup. And then the home game, you'd probably get a little bit more of a veteran lineup. And it's been interesting to see kind of how Rick Bonus has separated the two groups. There hasn't been a whole lot of movement, but there's kind of vets on both sides um, in terms of groups that obviously fans can see at, uh, at FanFest tomorrow if you haven't been down to hockey for all center already. Um but that's kind of been the interesting part. You play maybe, um, you know, a little bit of a less experienced or maybe I don't want to say high profile, but maybe your top six plays at home. Your, uh, your guys in your bottom six, maybe play a little bit of an elevated role on the road. Maybe that's how they go about it. Rick bonus hasn't really given too much of a, of an indication of what that might be. So hoping that we get to hear a little bit tomorrow, because obviously with the, the earlier kind of afternoon start in Edmonton on Sunday, I'm not sure if there's going to be much for a morning skate. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm sure Rick Bonus will field a number of questions about his, his lineup uh, for Sunday a little bit more after some skates on Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see. But like I said, experience would tell you that maybe it's a little bit less of an experienced lineup heading to Edmonton and a little bit more of an experienced one here in Winnipeg. What stood out for you from the first two days of camp? Um. I would small well, length of the sessions is one thing that's always a little bit jarring at the start of training camp. You have these 90 minute skates that uh, the groups have enjoyed the first couple of days. Um, the battle drills today is always something that I, that I like to keep an eye on mostly because sometimes you see some, some year over year progress. And obviously a lot of eyes are on 
Cole Perfetti getting that, that second line center opportunity. So they did some puck protection work today, some small area uh, work today. So I was keeping an eye on, on Perfetti just to see, you know, where, you know, maybe his, his puck protection game was, his, uh, where his strength was at. He looks like someone that's, that's put in so, some great work over the summer, had a chance to talk to him a little bit after practice today, just to expand a little bit on some of the stuff that he does, that he's done. He mentioned Pilates was something he did once a week just to really strengthen that core in a, in a way that I think more and more athletes are doing now, but still when it gets added to your program, he's like, it doesn't matter what kind of shape you're in doing Pilates is going to test you in ways that you didn't even know was possible. So he's someone that I kept an eye on and maybe a little bit off the radar too. I've kind of watched Nikita Chiprikov. He was someone that stood out to me a little bit at, at uh, young stars and Penticton in the game games that I watched online and he just seems to have a little bit of bite to his game in all three uh, zones. And it's been interesting to watch, obviously a ton of skill, but he's someone that, you know, can uh, seems to be able to give as much as he takes. He's not a guy that's, you know, over six feet or anything like that, but really seems to hold his own out there. He kind of gets used to things on, on uh, the North American side. In terms of the lines that have been constructed, the Defensive pairings, we'll get to in a moment, but the forward lines until Ehlers got hurt. What did you think of the way they were constructed? And I guess it's probably too soon to see how they're driving together. Yeah, like I think, you know, the the main one that jumps out, obviously, is, you know, where you have uh, Gabriel Velarde on that right wing with Connor and Shifley. That's going to be a line that I'm quite intrigued by just because, I mean, we're so used to, to Blake Wheeler being on that side or maybe, you know, for times last year, Nikolai Ehlers played his offside to play with Connor and Shifley. So, you know, Velarde's a guy that, you know, kind of had a little bit of a breakthrough, I would say, last year getting over that 20-goal mark. And it's going to be interesting to see him play with two guys that, you know, obviously Kyle Connors hit nearly hit 50 goals before. Mark Shifley busting through that 40-goal mark last year. Obviously a ton of skill there. And Velarde, uh, in the offseason, it's, and talking to him, he kind of said that, you know, last year his defensive game took a, a bigger step as well. And that was something that Todd McClellan, the head coach of the Kings, was finally able to, you know, put him into some more situations because the defensive game took that step. So every time we talk about, um, you know, how much skill these guys have, you know, Rick Bonus has always said, but everything that we do is going to start from the defensive end. So if that's a group that can that can take care of their own end as well, I think they're going to be a lot to handle uh, for a lot of the opposition. The other line that I'm really looking at, as much as you know, Nikolai Ehlers skating with Niederreiter and Cole Perfetti, that's going to be line to, to watch. Is Iafalo, Lowry, and Appleton? They've been together the last couple of days, and obviously Iafalo is someone that you know came over in that Pierre Luc Dubois trade. He's hit double-digit goals the last four or five years. He's a, a model of consistency, and so are the guys that he's with and Adam Lowry and, and Mason Appleton. And, you know, obviously that line, any line that Adam Lowry is on is one that is going to go up against the opposition's best. But if you can go up against the opposition's best and also find ways to generate at the other end, that's going to, you know, tilt the scales in the favor of the Winnipeg Jets. So that's a line that I'm kind of keying in on uh, throughout camp, assuming they stay together, because let's not forget, you know, the, the first day of camp when, uh, Rick Bonus was, you know, talking on the days that the players was doing the physicals. He basically rattled off the, the top four lines as he kind of sees it. Now, obviously, there's room for competition and all that, but 
you know, the way he kind of listed them off, it sounds like I follow Lowry and Appleton is going to be a group that gets a look. On defense, what do you think of bonus pairing veterans with young guys? Like we saw Declan Chisholm with Dylan DeMello, Elias Alamonson with Josh Morrissey, et cetera. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting, especially for someone like Josh Morrissey, who, you know, for especially last year when he was kind of having that, you know, Norris Trophy conversation type of, of season that he had, you know, he talked about guys that mentored him and, you know, playing with Dustin Bufflin and then going into that shutdown role with Jacob Truba for a couple of years. And now all of a sudden it's Josh Morrissey. <laughs> That's the guy doing the mentoring. I think it's it's a really cool step in, in his career. But I think there's just a lot that a guy like Salamonson can learn from Josh Morrissey. You know, like Salamonson's a guy that over six feet can, can skate pretty well, moves the puck pretty well. But then, you know, he can talk to a guy like Morrissey about, you know, how to take his game to the next level. How do you, you know, make these plays quicker, make these reads quicker? What are you seeing out there? to be able to make you the effective player that you are. And then Declan Chisholm and Dylan DeMello are two guys that I think are pretty similar in that they can skate well, they can move the puck. And Declan Chisholm obviously gets that contract done before camp. He's able to come in and try to prove himself, try to knock on the door of that that uh, that blue line, which you know obviously has a number of names that are trying to compete for spots. So I think it's a good idea. And the other, honestly, pairing that, that caught my eye, simply because it might be one of the most intimidating D pairs, and I hope we see it in the preseason, is Brandon Dillon and Tyrell Bauer, just two guys that can throw their weight around, but, you know, can also move. And at the same time, if you're opposing forwards, it's like pick your corner you want to cycle, and it's not going to be fun either way. And then you're going to have someone in front of the net that can obviously hold down the fort there too. So um, I'm I'm really anxious for these uh, preseason games to get here, just to kind of, see how some of these pairs with with, with veterans and younger guys uh, work out against some competition from other teams. You don't have to tell me what you saw, but do you have any insight on the special jersey being unveiled tomorrow by the team? Or are you in the dark as much as I am? I am quite in the dark, actually. They've done a really good job of keeping it uh, under wraps. Even uh, so we had our production days a little bit earlier this weekend for people that maybe aren't familiar uh, that's where, um, you know, our game production folks get some, some really good video for like intro videos and all those really intense and intimidating and, and stylistic shots of players looking into cameras, all that kind of stuff happens there. And apparently the Jersey was there. I didn't even see it there. And I was in the building and apparently relatively close to it, but it was like literally on the other side of a wall and I never saw it. So I'm looking forward to seeing it tomorrow uh, at FanFest just as much as I think a lot of fans are. Okay. Well, we'll we'll find out at 11.45 a.m. tomorrow. Mitchell, appreciate this, and uh, have fun on the call Sunday. I will. Looking forward to it. Nothing like getting into it with a couple of back-to-back preseason games to get, to get your feet wet. Looking forward to it. All right. That is Mitchell Clinton, the new radio analyst with Paul Edmonds on 680 CGOB, providing us training camp insight. Yes, sessions tomorrow. Fan Fest tomorrow at Hockey for All Center. It's free, but you have to have a ticket. It's just a way of crowd control. Should be fun. I look forward to seeing what that jersey's going to be. I'm going to be on the golf course when it happens. I'll look at my phone and be like, huh, there it is. That's cool. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine, so farewell. 
Until we meet again. So long and thanks for all that they should. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you of the deal. You may not share our intellect, which might explain.